Well, we wanted to start off this morning by wishing you a happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, and as a reminder that this retreat and these practices, the Brahmavihara practices, are practices that are intended and do help us purify our heart. So it's a purification of heart practices we'll be exploring and learning. We'll speak more about that a little later. A couple of um, housekeeping points. Uh, one is uh, we do appreciate it in uh, being allowed to go first out of the meditation hall, which has been happening. That's not a problem. And also in the food line, uh, both it's a sign of respect for the teachings and teachers. And candidly, once we start interviewing, it actually helps us stay on schedule to uh, be able to move through. So we appreciate your kindness in that regard. And the interviews will be starting tomorrow. The interview sign-up sheet is posted on the bulletin board. Hopefully everyone has signed up. If you haven't, please do so between now and lunch, because at lunch we'll be taking it and making our lists. Um, and it would be good today if you don't know where the interview rooms are, if you would take a walk by and make sure you know where they both are. It'll save you time and stress later. And again, my interview room, if you walk out of the dining room, and make an immediate left-hand U-turn, you're facing my interview room door. And for Tina's, if you walk out the area that you came in with your luggage by the laundry room and continue on towards the pond, the first set of stairs you come to on your right, that building, that's the way up to her interview room. That's the sun room. So we'll be, if you don't know where it is, it would be helpful probably to look that over and see where it is today. We wanted to start off um, this week that we'll be spending together really tuning into our hearts with a poem by Hafiz. Now is the time. Now is the time to know that all you do is sacred. Now, why not consider a lasting truth with yourself and God? Now is the time to understand that all your ideas of right and wrong were just a child's training wheels to be laid aside when you can finally live with veracity and love. Now is the time for the world to know that every thought and action is sacred, that this is the time for you to compute the impossibility that there is anything but grace. Now is the season to know that everything you do is sacred. So these practices that we'll be doing for this week are really, um, they're a beautiful way of being with ourselves and with our heart. And the Brahma Viharas are, um, are Buddhism's way of helping us to cultivate the natural response of the heart to any human situation. So between the four of them, and I'll go through what they are, Loving-kindness, metta. 
karuna, which is compassion, mudita, which is empathetic joy, and upeka, which is equanimity. And so if we consider all of the possible occurrences that could happen for ourselves and for others in the human condition, one of these four natural responses of the heart is appropriate for any human situation. And this is really what we're cultivating. We're we're going to be spending the week being with ourselves and with our relationship with ourselves and others as we go through the different categories of being. Um, And really feeling into what is it like to be with ourselves and with others in these four responses of the heart and to also be with whatever might be standing in the way of that. So these are really the two things we'll be with is the direct experience of feeling those natural arisings of of our deeper nature in the heart and being with the places where that's maybe obscured. We really love these practices. I mean, we really see them as, um, we said, one of the jewels of Theravadan Buddhism. And they are found within Tibetan Buddhism as what's called the four immeasurables. It's slightly, it's presented a little bit differently there, but very similar. But within Theravadan Buddhism, these practices are really um, developed pretty robustly as actual practices. And often what we find is, and you've probably seen this too, metta is often taught by itself. So you'll see a lot of retreats that are offered just on metta. And some of you may choose to practice metta for the whole week. We'll start with metta today, and then you can think about how you want to use the week. And and we really encourage you to to make this week your own. And so different people may be... um, practicing different specifics of what we're doing in a way that may be different than you, and that's fine. And we'll talk about how you might want to consider that. Or you might spend a day on each practice. That's another way. That's how we'll be presenting the teachings. Um, But we really feel that the four of the Brahm Viharas together are really powerful in a way that if you just pull one out is not the same. Not that it's not good to practice metta alone. The Buddha also taught metta as one of the um, protective meditations as a standalone. But when they're together, they really give us a way of um, understanding something about the human condition that is comprehensive beyond what you might be able to really feel if you just look at one practice by itself. And so this is why we always teach the practices together as before. So um, and another thing that we want to really call out the be- at the beginning that applies to all four practices is that it's really, uh, often we'll hear people who will come and tell us that they've done, they may not resonate with doing these practices as much as they could because it becomes dry where we're just repeating the phrases over and over. So we teach this as being not about the phrases. So if you've done the practice before, if you haven't, then you'll just 
learn it fresh the way we teach it. But it's really about our natural response to ourself or others in the human condition. It's not about repeating phrases over in a rote way. So the phrases are there as a support. They're important, just like you know, we teach the uh, Samatha practice, the Anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing. And in that practice, one of the tools that can be used is counting breaths up to, up to eight and then back down to one. And that's a great support to help deepen concentration and to have a connection with the object of meditation, which is the breath. Well, in the Brahm Viharas practices, the object is the person. It's not the phrases. So this is where, how it becomes translated into life. So like when we're doing metta, and I'll give the instructions in a few minutes, we're really relating to another person in such a way that we, we wish them well. We care about them. And this way, if we're orienting, and the phrases are a support for that. They're not the point of doing it. It's just the phrases are there to help us be connected with that feeling of well-wishing for ourselves and for others. So just to have that in a context that um, the phrases are support, they're not the object of the meditation. So the Brahmavihara's qualities are things that really can arise naturally. They're part of our true nature. And when we're in touch with our heart in an unobstructed way, these are natural responses. So like with compassion, if someone's suffering or if we're suffering, it's natural to feel like, oh, gosh, I really, I hope your suffering ends really soon. You know, to, to feel that wish for the other person not to suffer, and yet to know that, you know, we can't necessarily stop that. But it's a natural response to not want to see that suffering go on and to feel compassion for the person in that condition of suffering. So this is, you know, we'll go through all four of them. But these are just ways that if we're really in touch with our heart in an unimpeded way, they're natural. So these aren't things that aren't already within you. They're already there. You don't have to get anything. You don't have to make anything happen. All we're doing is just tuning in and giving ourselves really this week to sort of settle there and to see what happens as we orient towards the different categories of, of beings. And you'll, you'll be selecting individuals. You'll, we'll start with ourselves. So this is really where you'll be starting today with the metta is for yourself. So it's an opportunity to just um, be with ourselves in this relationship with ourselves and others in a way that allows for the possibility of these natural qualities of the heart to come forth and to be in contact with. This is a concentration practice, so there is the possibility in sort of the larger perspective of Buddhism for these practices to lead to uh, what's jhana absorption. We won't be talking about that too much. We'll, we'll have one talk towards the end of the week where we talk about uh, doing these as concentration practice in a way that could lead to that. But with a week-long retreat, that's probably not very likely. So we aren't really going to focus on that aspect of the practice.
So as we, as we start this week, it's helpful maybe to tune in to the, the thousands, maybe millions of yogis over the millennia who have done these practices. And, and if, if it's helpful, maybe just to put your hands over your heart and to really feel this lineage of beings not only in Buddhism, but in many, many traditions, really every spiritual tradition, who have cultivated their hearts, just as you are doing this week, as we are doing, with the intention of being closer to ourselves and being more in contact with our hearts as we engage with other beings. if you have any intention for the week for yourself it'll take just a minute and you can be in contact with that now So some of the reasons, some of the benefits of why we do the Brahmaviharas practices, the probably the principal reason we do it is it supports the softening of our interior. In our world today, it's such a busy, hectic, non-stop, continuous world. It really supports the uh, gravitating of our awareness to the head a lot of thinking, a lot of interacting uh, with head qualities. And so part of the practice here is to once again let our awareness rest in the heart and also really let that do its work of softening and uh, letting us be in contact with our deeper nature, our deeper heart nature. And this is a way that we can also, by softening, there's, there's ways that we can have a better contact with ourselves, so in effect improve our relationship with ourselves, and also relationships with others, with our interaction with others as well. The purification of heart practice really allows you to purify your contact with each of these Brahmaviharas, if you choose, as Tina said, to do the four that we'll teach you'll have a chance to experience or open to each of these in yourself and allow them to be present. And as Tina said, these are already within you. There's not something you've got to create. You don't have to get it from anywhere. It's just opening to what's already there and realizing that these aren't emotions. So we're not trying to generate an emotional response. That's not actually what this is about. It's something that's... uh, self-evident and self-arising. One of the interesting things, Tina talked about this, was that we, being with the Bhamadiharas practice, really allows us to develop a wise orientation towards suffering. And one of the ways that I found with this practice was, as Buddhists, in my experience, uh, I was taught that when others are suffering, the response was either metta or some kind of compassion. So the idea was if you saw someone suffering, you would, in effect, wish for them not to suffer. 
And um, part of what I, what I realized was that sometimes people will be in situations that are difficult, and I found that I don't actually know what to offer. I don't, I don't know what to do or didn't know what to do in response to their situation. And what I found from doing these practices is that one of the Brahmi-Viharas will often arise. So I'll be with someone and not know, and all of a sudden I'll feel, say, compassion arising. And, I'll be, and it'll be the, obviously the clue to me, oh, this is where compassion works. And so that's the way I will extend or make contact with them. Or I might feel metta arise. So there's a way that this becomes a guide when our mind can't figure out what to do. Our, our deeper nature actually reveals what's actually needed, what's appropriate, that dynamic. And as Tina mentioned, the Brahmaviharas are a concentration practice. So we will be concentrating on a particular object with each of the meditations. And we will be having the qualities of the Brahmavihara uh, be within your, your system and awareness. And so the developing of concentration through the Brahmaviharas, that developed concentration can also be applied to other meditations. So learning to develop concentration here is useful in whatever your home practices or daily practices are. I do have, uh, we always like to do this, there's in Sharon Salzberg's book, Loving Kindness, uh, she has a list that the Buddha gave of the benefits of doing the Brahmaviharas practice. So I thought we thought we'd share those with you. Uh, the first is that you will sleep easily. <laughs> Second, you will wake easily. <laughs> the third is you will have pleasant dreams. The fourth, people will love you. So definitely a good one. The devas, the celestial beings and animals will love you. The sixth is devas will protect you. Seven, external dangers, poisons, weapons, and fire will not harm you. Eight, your face will be radiant. <laughs> Nine, your mind will be serene. Ten, you will die unconfused. And eleven, you will be reborn in happy realms. We love that the Buddha wrote those. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice you cared about skin care. That you're <laughs> <laughs> he was a modern kind of guy. <laughs> didn't need to buy the creams. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, um, these are our cheat sheets that we like to give out, and we just love our cheat sheets for the Brahmaviharas. And, and this is really a summary as we go through the week of the phrases, the, bet, the people that you can do it for, what the object is, all of that. And so we'll be referring back to this. And we'll explain how to use it. Right, yeah. Point. So... I will be going then through this morning the, the metta practice, which we invite you to engage in for the whole day today. So the metta practice is, again, as we said, loving kindness, and that's, it's the first row on the top. And when we say loving kindness, it's sometimes um, people can... This is, it's kind of a light touch. And, and metta is kind of our baseline Brahma-vihara. So if you want to think of it that way, if, if things are just kind of, you're going through your normal day, 
and nothing really extraordinary is happening, you can sort of consider metta as a default, where we're just, you know, as we're encountering the grocery store checkout person and the mail delivery person and, you know, people at the workplace and, you know, just as you're going through your day, metta becomes a place where we can kind of rest, of just wishing people well. You know, it's kind of, it's a way of just orienting towards the world that's um, a live and let live kind of, you know, I, I wish that people are happy around me. I hope they're having a good day. Things like that, you know, it doesn't have to be, we're not talking about unconditional love or anything that's where there's a lot of straining or striving going on. So are you kind of getting a feel for it? You know, it's just the way you might feel about a friend that, you know, if you think of anything, oh, I I hope they're doing well. I hope they're having a good day and that their life is going well for them. It's that kind of thing. It's another way of thinking of it as friendliness, of just a friendliness to others, where we're, you know, if somebody comes and is walking up to a door, we might open it for them, that kind of thing, you know? And it isn't really so much of a doing. I mean, that's a particular thing that might arise. But it's, it's more of how we are engaging the world. Now, with all of these practices, the purpose of them is not to change others. These are practices we do for ourselves. So there are some other Buddhist practices, like in Tibetan Buddhism, there's, there's Tonglen, where it's, you know, there may be the purpose to actually do something uh, externally. And a lot of times, even within Theravadan Buddhism, if somebody's having a hard time, they might say, well, I'll do metta for you. And it's, okay, it's fine to think of it that way, But just to be clear, this isn't a practice we're doing for so that external circumstances will change. These are practices we're doing so that our own heart is oriented in a way that's open and that is as unobstructed as possible. So just to to know that, like say that somebody, when we get to the other Brahma-viharas, uh, if something externally doesn't change, it's not like you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, so, so don't, that's not, we're kind of trying to give you the orientation to it, that it's not so much about what happens outside. Like you may orient towards somebody with loving kindness and they might not respond with loving kindness. That doesn't mean that you are doing it wrong. You know, in life and in the world, it's more about, um, for ourselves and for our own consciousness to not be engaging in the hindrances and in places that cause our own suffering. So so this is really how we're orienting towards the practice. And at the same time, I'll just say that people who are really cultivating the heart qualities generally do affect other people in ways that are a whole lot more positive. There's a lot less harm. There's a lot more connection. There's a more positive impact on others. So that is likely to be the case. But that's not, we're not sort of trying to make something happen. So if you look at the sheet then, um, you can see there's a column that says proximate cause. So 
That is really like the object of meditation. So when we're in metta, when we're doing metta, we will start, so you'll be starting either with yourself, is what we suggest, and I'll give you an alternate. For a minute, if you, the way it reads is just left to right, so the metta is the column from left to right, right. so you're referencing. Yeah, so, so in metta, the proximate cause is someone else's goodness or our own goodness. So as we're thinking about ourselves or that person, really what we're looking for is the good in the world, in ourselves. So this is a way of conditioning our own consciousness so that instead of looking for what's wrong, which can, you know, be... There's a, there are a lot of things wrong in the world. There can be a way that that becomes a habit. You know? So what we're cultivating here, we're deconditioning that habit of looking for what's wrong. We're looking for the goodness. So... Like with Nata, as I'll go through, or, or Stephen will go well, this, we're just doing for ourselves, but especially as we get to some of the more difficult people, like even with the difficult person, somebody who may be difficult for you to be around, if you look, you can find something good about that person. Even the person that you may despise the most on the planet, maybe it's a politician or you know, somebody you don't even know, you can still probably find something good about even them. So this is... Right, you might even find, we, we find this with the politicians, people will often realize, well, you know, they probably love their family. They love their parents. So there's a way that you can see, even if you strongly disagree with someone, there's probably some aspect of their life where they are expressing goodness that you can connect with or relate to. Right, or even somebody maybe who has characteristics you don't like, like maybe somebody's really really pushy. Well, within that is a determination that can be admired. Maybe it's an overdone strength, you know, but there's something even within maybe the things we don't like about somebody that, like, say it's a politician, there could be a commitment to what they believe in, that even if you don't agree with the belief, the commitment is something that maybe one could admire. So, so these are all ways to really um, know that we can see the goodness in anybody, ultimately. So initially when we start with metta, we, we start with metta for ourselves. I have another poem here. A lot of times, this is hard. For a lot of people, this may be the hardest thing you do the whole week. For other people, it's not that hard. But the idea of starting with metta for ourselves, and this is the way it's always taught, is that this is, in feeling it for ourselves, we need to have some contact with that in order to offer this to others. So this is why we start with metta for ourselves. And, and for some people, you may want to do metta for yourself for the whole week, and that's fine. So as we go on, you'll feel into what's right for you. I have another poem that I'm going to read about this topic. The time will come when with elation you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat, 
you will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you have ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes, and peel your own image from the mirror. Sit, feast on your life. So doing metta for ourselves is really, um, it's, a, it's the place to start is to really feel this orientation of well-wishing for ourselves. And the Buddha really, he thought this was extremely important And he said, you know, sometimes we might feel like, well, I don't deserve it. Or uh, others, you know, I should be focusing on others and giving. And what the Buddha, the Buddha was really clear about this. He said, you can search throughout the entire universe for someone who's more deserving of your love than yourself. And you won't find them anywhere. That there's no one anywhere in the universe that's more deserving of your love than yourself. So you deserve this for yourself, and this is really the place to start. So in doing metta for ourselves, then you can, um, you can feel yourself sitting there. You can picture yourself, like out in front of you, and this will be true with all of the the objects, you know, the, the focuses of the meditation to picture in front of yourself. Or if that's hard, you can even picture yourself as a child. Sometimes that's easier for people to do. And you're orienting towards your own goodness. So to really be in touch with your goodness all of the things about you that you bring to the world, that you bring to life, that are gifts. This is really what you're being in touch with. Can you meditate something? Yeah. So sometimes when you're working with metta for yourself, for some people it is challenging at the start. So as Tina said, it can be helpful to picture yourself as a child. And sometimes that may mean also as a baby having the child sit in your lap, having the sense of holding, holding yourself as a baby. Because some people will feel that they have some reason that they shouldn't receive metta. And it's pretty hard as a baby to not feel like that baby doesn't deserve metta, you as the baby. So, you know, work with this. If you find it's challenging to do with yourself as you are today, then, you know, explore a little bit. So I think, do we want to just stay with that for the day? Yeah. Metta for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a progression. We'll talk about that later. Well. Okay. Give me a shift for the phrase, please. Well, let's just go through it so that, how, how many of you have done a lot of metta practice before? Okay. So use your own judgment, but for everybody, you should do at least 
several sittings of metta for yourself. So, so what I'll do is I'll go through the phrases, the traditional phrases, and then we have alternate phrases here. And the traditional phrases, and what you're wanting to do with the phrases is find a phrase that's meaningful to you. So if these phrases aren't meaningful to you, don't use them. Find either, use the alternate ones or find one that really lands for you. Don't spend a lot of time on that. That's not the object of meditation either. But, but, but the traditional phrases, may I be free from danger, may I be free from mental pain, may I be free from physical pain, may I be well and happy. And we have alternate phrases. Um, one of the things Tina didn't realize when we got married was I, I got joint custody of her alternate phrases <laughs> for the Brahmi <laughs> <laughs> We, we, we didn't have the Brahmi Haras when I was a Zen student, so I, I had done some in the home, home version, but not on retreat, so I liked her so well. They became mine, too. So the alternate phrase is, may I, you, be safe, and this is, this is how we do them, and part of what we're doing for those that are oriented in this way, we're doing them in the order of the chakras, from first chakra on. So we're starting by establishing a safety, a grounding, may I be safe. And then, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I live with ease, may I be liberated. We, of course, add the liberated part. And working with these, one of the skillful ways you can work with it is, say you're working with, that you find, may I be safe, really. I mean, personally, what I do is I do all of these, and then I turn it into the, the last word, because I clearly I know I'm referring to myself. And so I will just use a phrase of safe, happy, healthy, ease, liberated. And that will become kind of my little semi-silent mantra to myself. As, again, as support. Because I'm, I'm picturing myself or I'm with myself. That's the object of the meditation. And the quality of metta is actually what I'm wanting to be in contact with. And when I get to where I, I have a kind of um, this is true for Tina as well, but when we have uh, a kind of flavor, the intention behind these words, you can sometimes even put the words down and have the phrases be almost like a silent, uh, energetic, intentional movement. Uh, and you may not get to that point today, but you might. So we want to present it that it's an option, that the, the words feel cumbersome and you feel like you've got the flavor of the of the uh, phrases, then see what it's like to put down the actual words and be with the intention. So, again, with all the Brahmaviharas, the spirit is the most important. So, again, don't, don't be overly obsessed with the phrases, with the quality of phrases. Really, we're using the phrases to help us stay in contact first with ourselves and really with our own goodness. That's it. We don't have to be madly in love with ourselves. We don't have to have every psychological issue resolved. We, we just have to see our own goodness. And if you have a pet, how does your pet look at you? You know, it doesn't need a lot, right? So I love those shirts that says, Lord, please make me the person my dog thinks I am. <laughs> so again, it's just your own goodness. And that's, that, that's really a very easy standard for most people. So um, work with that and see.
So it would be more you want to say. Or, so if, if you experienced this and want to at some point in the afternoon or the evening sitting go on to the other um, beings. So the sequence on this, just to go through that, it's on the list. If you do go to others beyond yourself, is that you start with yourself and then you would work with a benefactor. So benefactor is somebody who has helped you. And it's not a parent. It's somebody who is very neutral, uh, maybe a teacher, somebody who's alive, and um, who is very easy to feel good wishes for. And then just to go through the, pro- the progression, friend would be next, somebody you care about. Neutral person. So neutral person is somebody who you don't know that well. Maybe one of the staff at Cloud Mountain or somebody who you encounter in your day and, you know, at the store, things like that. And then difficult person. We'll, we'll talk more about all of these later. Um, don't go to difficult person today. If you're doing it, stay with, stay with the first ones. Difficult person is somebody that you have... A conflicted relationship with and then lastly we go to all beings so you can see over time we start with ourselves and then there's a broader and broader reach to the metta and to the well-wishing and so what Tina is saying is at, at a meditation period even if you were working with the benefactor you would start with yourself and feel metta for yourself and then go to the benefactor so it's always that sequence. And then if you do the friend, you do the self, and then you do the go to go to friend, you wouldn't go to the benefactor then. But it's always important to in a, in essence fill up your own tank or really be in contact with it for yourself. Yeah, and we'd encourage you to really we're saying this just in case you you know, you would like to go on, but it to do a whole day of metta for yourself is really worthwhile. So we'd really encourage you to give yourself that if that feels right for your practice. And on some of the mental retreats or Bhavihara's retreats, the teachers will want people to really cycle through all the sequence of beings as that's really the objective. Our objective is more we'd like you to have as deep a contact with each of these Bhavihara's as is available to you. So if you do only the first category of being of each one, that's perfectly fine with us. Because we'd really like you to really have that felt sense, your felt sense of these heart qualities. And again, these are heart qualities of your true nature. They're not dependent, they're not, they're not emotion, they're not produced. They're, they're naturally arising. We want to just get in contact with what it's like when they naturally arise and how full they can be in your experience. And if, if they're not arising, which is common, so don't feel like something is wrong. We're just staying with the, the phrases and with the object, which is at this point yourself. So you're just, you know, feeling into that and being in contact with the goodness. During walking periods with the metta, you can also stay with yourself. And that's another time where if you're encountering other beings and it feels right to offer metta just inwardly to others here on the retreat or animals or, you know, the little creatures on the ground that's possible in the walking, but you're staying with the phrases and staying with the object of meditation. You're right. not going to, you know, like in Vipassana, normally we go to walking in Vipassana. You would notice the walking. You're really staying with the metta practice 
throughout the whole day. So as you're eating, you're staying with it. As you're showering, you're staying with it. You're really with it from the minute you get up to the minute you go to bed. Try to be with it as much as possible. So I think maybe since we're not doing interviews, we'll do a longer sit. We'll sit into the walking period. And then we had one last announcement on practice leaders. Oh, right. So the practice leaders, what we'd like to do today is have Thayi start. So will you do the sittings today and tomorrow? And then, Andrew, if you could start on Monday, do Monday and Tuesday. And then, Angela, if you could do Wednesday. That would be great. Will that work for all of you? Okay. Thank you. Great. So how long should we sit? Let's just just do something 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Okay. So be comfortable. And usually this practice is done with eyes closed. We may be practicing at times with eyes just slightly open. That's not how it's usually done, but if you want to, that's still an option. Are there any questions before we start? We'll talk more tonight. We'll talk more about the metta practice tonight, so you might have family members in the different categories later. But with family, it's complicated. So we want you to have a foundation of today before you get into um, the more complicated categories of beings. So we would encourage you to, to wait on that. And these are all um, people who are alive? Yeah, it, it, it has been, the Buddha really felt that it, the metta practice, I mean, the, the way it's traditionally done is that for this to progress to jhana, it has to be a live person. And this week we're not really focusing on that, so use your own judgment, but that is normally the way that it's taught. And we've, and we've at, at prior retreats, said to people, if, if, if in your sequence there's people who are not living that are the right people, then it's up to you to do that. And Tina's told you the traditional yeah. instruction, we don't have an objection to it, do it yeah. now. Because sometimes that can feel like a good thing, because it, it, it's your heart we're working with. Right. right the other person. So. Yeah. So, so that's traditional, but really do what feels right for you. Yeah. I have a question about the smile and feeling. So, I've practiced metta a bit over the years, and it had a, a dry quality, a conceptual quality that was not terribly effective with me and mm-hmm. heart opening. And a very senior monk came through Seattle with slightly different instruction, which was to start with a smile, a something that produced a smile, which in my case was my pet. <laughs> I thought it was a benefactor, but probably not in the strict terminology. But unconditional love came forth and uh, colored the whole sit. It sort of sat on the back burner and it was the feeling that infused the entire sit. And uh, I could flash it if it 
faded and it's so easily allowed Metta and all the Brahmaviharas actually to be natural and come forth. But I want to ask you if that is a distracting technique from your standpoint or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the question is is it useful to start with a being that will evoke naturally a sense of of a smile, of this loving kindness. And all of the practices we start, normally we will start in the easiest place. And so sometimes it is said, and all of you can take advantage of this possibility if you want to start maybe with a benefactor or a being that is the easiest, which for a lot of people isn't ourselves. So for you to start with your pet and have that really evoke something that feels evoked loving kindness and the smile. Absolutely. If that's a place where you want to start and then switch over to yourself, please feel free to do that and this applies to everybody. Yes. Thank you. You know, one thing on questions, if you wouldn't mind just saying your name before you ask a question, it will help yeah. us learn, learn people's names. If you feel comfortable doing that, that'd be appreciated. So we'll start, and I'll say the phrases a few times, and then we'll go into silence. And please feel free to use phrases that are your own. So make yourself comfortable. Your feet or your knees on the floor. Being relaxed, as upright as possible. Feeling into your heart area. And it's always okay to put your hand on your heart at any time during these practices if you feel it's helpful. And feel your own goodness. Being in contact with yourself as you're sitting here or picturing yourself in front of yourself as you are now or as a child or even as a baby. Wishing yourself well. May I be safe. May I be healthy. May I be happy. (coughs) May I live with ease. (coughs) May I be liberated. 